so glad you've joined us on the ERLC podcast to explore how the Bible addresses important cultural issues pertaining to life, religious liberty, marriage and family, and human dignity, and how we can walk in wisdom for God's glory and for the flourishing of our neighbors. If you're enjoying this podcast and find it helpful, please leave a review wherever you listen. This will help more people find and benefit from what we're learning together. We are grateful for the time you take to join us for these conversations. God is a holy God, and He is serious about us walking in holiness. Without holiness, no one can see the Lord. The Bible says, woe to those who isolate themselves or who don't have anyone there to pick them up when they fall down. The gospel hope is that we believe in a God who is engaged with His Son. I have had to come to terms with the fact that I live in a broken world and I live in a broken body. What if the one thing that we're praying for God to take away is the one thing He's using to make us more like Jesus. Welcome to the ERLC Podcast. My name is Trillia Newbell. I'm the Director of Community Outreach here at the ERLC. We are doing a short series called How to Handle, and we're trying to think through the the various things that are common in the church but not talked about a lot that are maybe even difficult, but we don't dive in, but people are hungry to, to know more about. And so I've asked friends, colleagues, experts to help us think through various topics. And today I'm very excited to have Lori Wilbert and I almost called you Ferguson. <laughs> Cause that's how, that's how I've known you for a while, but you're now Wilbert, which we are going to be talking about. You um, write at sayable.net and you also contribute to a, a variety of different organizations, including the ERLC. But Lori, I'm really thrilled to have you on. Thank um, you. Yeah, I just think you are going, you have a voice that is wise and gentle, yet firm. You speak the truth in love. I think you really do that and do it well. So thank you, friend. Yeah, thank you. And so I, um, I want for those who are listening who don't know you, tell us a little bit about your story. Today, we're going to be talking about marriage and we are going to be talking about um, not just marriage, but what it looks like to come into a marriage with, I hate using the word baggage, but that's what that's what's common for people to use, but come into the marriage with stuff. I came into my marriage with stuff. We're going to think through it, um, but first, let us hear more from you. Yeah, so um, when, when Trillia says coming into the marriage with stuff, one of the things that she's referring to is divorce, and so... So I am the child of divorce, so the adult child of divorced parents, and a really messy, messy, messy situation. Um, a really messy, long divorce. I had very young siblings when my parents began their divorce proceedings, and um, it was just really, really messy for a long, long time. And it still is really messy, uh, to be honest. And um, and so just as an adult, just reckoning with those things and and learning to 
walk through those things as a as an adult, as a believer. Um, and then uh, I'm married to a man who um, walked through a divorce. And um, and so that has brought along different kinds of baggage. So here I am, a child of divorce, married to a man who's been divorced. And I think if you'd asked me, you know, 10 years ago, like, uh, do you care about divorce? I would have said no. And I think it's terrible. And I, would, I didn't want it to be part of my story in sure. any way. And God has made it part of my story. And so that's kind of the baggage. And I don't, I don't even like using the word baggage. Uh, I just yeah. think, I, to me, I look at it like a little bit like a tool belt. Um, it's an unfortunate tool belt. It's a tool belt that I didn't necessarily want to pick up or hold or carry. But um, I just have seen God bear so much fruit in my husband's life, in my life. Um, and even I, I would, I think the Lord is doing a work in my family's life that, I, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, I would have never imagined possible. Hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's, that's very that's good. Kind of my story. And I really like the thought of a tool belt because the Lord uses our trials and our um, situations to comfort with the comfort that we've received from Christ. He uses it so that we can equip the church. He uses it for our own good. Exactly. So I think I'm, we're going to take that banner up and we're going to call it tool belt from now on. So <laughs> let's do that. But um, on a serious note, though, there are some who struggle. Now you have, you're newly married still a year and how long? Two and a half years. Two and a half years. Okay. never mind. <laughs> still new, but two and a half years. Yeah. And wow, I cannot believe it's been two and a half years. But um, so obviously for those listening, I know Lori and it's just fun to see, to have watched her journey from afar, but it's sweet. But um, in those two and a half years, you have written and posted about the delight of marriage and how um, your marriage has been a joy and delight and how often we see people talk about marriage with just the problems. Um, the reality is, however, that there are a lot of people who I assume from just talking to people focus on that tool belt and focus on and not see it as a tool belt, but see it as exactly what I we were talking about before, baggage that's weighing them down. Mm-hmm. How do you encourage someone who who has come into a marriage where the spouse has been previously married and they, they maybe they're struggling with comparison, potentially intimacy, because they've this person has been intimate with um their previous spouse, or, or just a various various things, lies that would be struggle in their head. So, so how do you encourage someone who's actually struggling with some of these identity issues, various things that could come up when they are carrying that a heavy load with them? Yeah, I think one of the things that really helped me and continues to help me is to have a really really high view of marriage and mm. marriage as covenant. And so, my husband. Uh, was served divorce papers by his former wife. Um, she was walking in unrepentant sin, and um, and he submitted to our church. He submitted to our pastors and elders through that process. Um, uh, really did everything that was asked of him above and beyond. Really everything that was asked of him toward reconciliation and and just towards seeing her hopefully walk away from the sin she was walking in and, um, and she ultimately, you know, wanted nothing to do with him, wanted nothing to do with the Lord. And so, um, but my husband has a really high view of marriage. And so, 
uh, and I came in with a really high view of marriage. And one of the things that was helpful was for me to realize that was his marriage um, with his former wife. That's not my marriage. And Mm, even though he's my husband and his story has been woven at a certain point, you know, in his late thirties, his, his story began to be woven with my story. What the Lord did in his life, the ways that the Lord shaped him, um, grew him, changed him, um, sanctified him. That really is his story. And so having a high view of marriage, not just our marriage, but having a high view of what God did in his life through that marriage, um, as, as heartbreakingly as it ended, has really helped me to just say, like, I don't, I don't need to be jealous. I don't need to uh, be curious. I don't need to be um, vindictive. Honestly, my heart from day one toward her has always been just, and this is completely from the spirit of God, um, mm-hmm. just love for her and a desire to see her still repent. And I pray for her. And obviously we don't have, you know, we're not involved in her lives. There were no children from this previous marriage. And so, but that's my heart toward her is just that she would repent and um, that the Lord would bring joy into her life. And so that frees me up to just say, uh, that's not my marriage. This is my marriage. And I want to, I want to love my husband. Well, I want to respect him. I want to encourage him in the Lord and, and see what the Lord might do with our marriage. That's good. Um, and so that, that has really, I remember the, the point in time in which that realization came to me. I had been um, curious about something from their previous, from his previous marriage. And, and he was really firm about not giving me information. And I was confused by that. Um, Cause I just thought, well, we're going to be married. Like we're, you know, we have to share everything. And that was really, um, I think a tool of the enemy who, who wanted to steal something from my husband and from me, instead of letting me just take my hands off of that and trust the Lord, uh, trust my husband and, um, and so, yeah, the, the Lord has been really gracious to just say, that's not mine. I don't need to have my hands on that. Mm. Gosh, that's, that's so wise. And it takes a, an amount of self-control, I think, that only the spirit can provide. It really is the spirit. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I think like um, it's the spirit of God. And we, we need the Holy Spirit. And we need to depend on the Holy Spirit instead of, you know, self-help books and, yes. you know, whatever is going around about how to handle divorce or how to handle those sort of things. We need the Holy spirit more than anything. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, boundaries, it sounds like you all have done a good job of you're not God. So there's one boundary. (laughs) There's nothing you can do for that marriage, that previous marriage. So I, I think it's so good and wise that you've set some boundaries there. And then, um, it sounds like he's protecting you, and there's boundaries in, in the way that he's communicating and just trying to help protect your marriage. And so it, it sounds like um, you all are, are relying and trusting on the Lord, but putting up some really um, some safeguards so that you can guard your heart and mind. And um, it, like you said, in your own marriage, which is, um, I think, just a, a gift of God's grace to you and to the to the person who's listening, I think that's a gift too. just isn't we do we need to guard our hearts and mind and take captive thoughts and and put boundaries especially on things we can't there's nothing we can do about and but what we can do is have a high view of marriage and work work towards 
our relationship with our spouse. And so I, I just, I really appreciate that. Here's the thing. Divorce is, is common. And so why do you think this is a topic that could be or should be important to the church? Um, well, I think so. The, the stat that is oftentimes communicated a lot is 50% of marriages of self-identified Christians. So wherever that, you know, I don't know whether those people are actually Bible-believing Sure. Christians, but um, that's kind of the stat. But there's another stat that's not often talked about, which is also the fact that if 50% of these um, marriages are ending divorce, about 50% of adults today are from divorced families. And so we've got to understand that we've got people who grew up in families where there just wasn't a strong understanding of just what a godly marriage looked like, um, of selflessness, of serving one another loving one another, uh, fidelity, all of those things. And so the church needs to consider this because I think we're just going to keep, I mean, obviously what's happening is you're going to, that, that stat is just going to keep getting higher as time goes on. And so the church needs to consider the adults in their congregation. The church needs to consider just the sort of, I think to me, I view it as a tool belt, but I think for a lot of people, it is baggage. It is just yeah. weighing them down. It's, um, it's really, I know for a lot of years, I just felt like, um, I don't just sort of used and abused goods because I just did not have a good view of marriage at all. And so, um, we just need to minister to those people to care, to, to speak highly about marriage without viewing it as a prize. I think that is really important for churches to, to not view it as something that needs to be attained or gotten or a trophy or a reward. Um, it's none of those things. It's a picture of the gospel. And if we, if we don't keep reminding folks of that, then they're going to keep, you know, searching for security and love and sufficiency and all those things in marriage when those things are primarily and only really found in God. And so, yeah, the church, I think, yeah, a high view of marriage and just understand that most adults or half of adults today don't, don't understand, have never seen a godly marriage. No, you're exactly right. And so we at the ERLC, we, we talk about marriage a lot. It's one of our main focuses. And so there's tons of resources here at the ERLC, but how else would churches be equipped to handle, really specifically, you're talking about two different things, but they're both related. We're focusing in on marriage that when you're remarried and and what that brings. But as a child of divorce, um, there are. There are adults who would have a low view of marriage, who will wait to get married, who are f- afraid of marriage. So how do we encourage and equip the church so that we can have a high view of marriage, especially when someone has been wronged or has seen examples that are broken? Um, I think that we can tend to have a little bit of a reductionistic view toward things like divorce. Um, I think we can have that toward everything actually, but I've seen it in divorce more, um, which is just kind of like an, if this, then that sort of mm-hmm. mentality. So um, if the husband is this, then that, if the wife is this, then that, and it can be a little bit more prescriptive um, instead of really, really getting in there. And um, a, a man isn't just, having an affair or a woman's not just drinking a marriage isn't in trouble just because of a a specific situation. It's in trouble because there's a story happening there. And so I think the church 
Uh, and the same with remarriage after divorce. There's, there's ways that the church has to do a better job, I think. And I don't, I'm not talking about even the leadership of the church. I think the church body needs to do it. Sure. A better job of um, really getting in there and hearing the story, hearing what's going on, understanding and, and helping to apply the gospel to those parts. So I, as far as resources, I don't, I don't know specific resources that, that are helpful, but I really, I do think that knowing people is really important. That's good. Mm-hmm. Instead of just knowing a plan, if that makes sense. So I think plans are good. We need to have those, but ultimately we need to know God and we need to know people. And so I think that's one thing. I think another thing is just, um, I think we need to talk, you're talking about children of divorce. I think we need to, to equip um, singles better more than like before they get married um, instead of saving all of our marriage counseling for after someone gets married. We need to mm-hmm. give more resources to singles, to single ministry, to um, dating and engaged couples. Uh, we need to, we need to give a lot more resources to, to that demographic. I agree. It's interesting because marriage is you when you barely talk about it, you talk about the dating and then you get married and you're talking about the wedding. And then you have eight weeks of counseling. Yeah. <laughs> like you know, your marriage counseling. And then you're married to someone for the rest of your life is what the goal and hope is. And so it is a strange thing that we don't invest more beforehand. Yeah. Yeah, to single. I mean, I mean, you know that sense. this is something I care a lot about. I was single until I was thirty-five, and so I really care about about singles. Um, and I don't want to like grind an axe, but it's no. really important that we are giving attention to that season of life. If we want to have fruitful, um, successful, sanctifying, beautiful, gospel-esque marriages, I think we have to give attention to to singles. No, I think you're exactly right. Because if if someone is a product, I guess you could call it, of divorce, and someone is has experienced um, marriages that are broken, if we're not investing in singles before they get married, if they get married, then we we really are setting up people not to there's gospel hope yes, so yes. there's not a if you don't do this yes. then you're definitely going to lose but it would it would serve the church if we would begin speaking about marriage and thinking about marriage way before marriage i think that's important and good and um it's a good word so what is the gospel hope for this for the person who is in a broken a marriage that that came in with that tool belt, but they feel like it's baggage, and they're struggling. What is the gospel hope? You know, I just constantly am reminded of how level my pastor says this all the time. How level the ground is before the cross. Um, so there's no sin that my husband has committed. There's no sin that I've committed. There's no brokenness that either of us have walked in that the cross isn't completely, overwhelmingly sufficient for. And so. I just think, man, I want to, I never want to see myself as standing on higher ground above my husband. Um, I never want to see him as standing. My, my temptation is, is oftentimes to see him standing on higher ground than me. Um, mm. And so I have to remember constantly the ground is level before the cross. Um, I am approved in Christ. He is approved in Christ. Um, he is loved deeply by God. I'm loved deeply by, by God. And that really frees me to, 
to walk in love without a lot of expectations, without mm. pretending that I have needs that need that heat that only he can fulfill. Um, like I know mm. that Christ is my sufficiency. I know that the cross is my only hope and marriage is not my hope. I have a, a really sweet, good marriage. Um, but, but ultimately, even if something um, wasn't sweet or good in that, the cross is my hope and um, the life, death and resurrection of Christ is my hope. And so I just have to remember that. And then I also, I think again, like having a really high view of marriage, but not a high view of marriage in the sense that marriage is an idol. Uh, marriage is not an idol. Marriage is a picture. And so just constantly being reminded, how am I like the bride of Christ right now? How's my husband being like Christ right now? How, how are we um, imaging that which, which God said we were to image and, and really just walking in the fullness of what that means all the time. And that's, I think it's easy to, to believe that that's, I don't want that to sound easy. I don't want it to sound like, Oh, this is just easy. You just do that. (laughs) That's not easy. That's a constant, a constant writing of ourselves, a constant submission to the Holy spirit, a constant submission to the word of God and to seeing God rightly and to seeing my husband rightly. And it's not easy but it is good. I, it is good. And we just need to focus on Jesus and focus on the cross. And um, I love that you brought up that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. I think that is helpful for people who might compare marriages as well, because what I think some people will do, I imagine, if they're in a, in a marriage that doesn't look like this fairy tale would be to compare their marriages. And the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And we are all so desperate for the grace of God and His mercy. And um, and so I, I would just want to encourage anyone who is listening and who struggles with comparison or the, this desire of a fairy tale that, and then you realize this this world is just not our home, <laughs> that um, that you would just be encouraged in your heart with the hope of the gospel. So, Lori, is there any last thing you'd like to say? Just encourage to look straight, look at the cross. Yeah. Love yeah. the gospel. Yeah. There is such hope. So, hey, thank you so much. This is, as I thought it would be, just been delightful to talk with you and to be encouraged and um in this, and I, I just am going to be praying for those who are listening, who are in just broken marriages, who need this gospel hope, and um, I'm encouraged, and I, I pray they are too. So, thank you, Lori. Is there so? How can people find you? I said sayable.net earlier. Is that it? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter too. It's Lori Wilbur, but it's spelled L-O-R-E. Excellent. Well, thank you all for listening. You have been listening to the ERLC podcast, and I'm Trillia Newbell, our short series, How to Handle. Stay tuned for the next few weeks as we continue this series. Thank you. Thank you.